0: There's a tension in this psalm. Um, On the one hand, the first five verses are are verses of praise. Praise the Lord with music. Praise the Lord with singing. Praise the Lord with tambourine and harp. Praise the Lord at all times. Um, it's, It's obviously a psalm of praise, The second half, beginning in verse 6, is is a psalm, or the verses of vengeance. You know, we move from praising the Lord uh, with, with uh, with instruments to praising the Lord with weapons. Praise the Lord and execute vengeance upon the people, bring punishment to the kings. Carry the kings away in fetters of iron. Transport the people in chains. Praise the Lord. There's this great dis- d- disconnection between the first half and the second half. Uh, it seems, the second half seems so unchristian, so unchristlike. I, I was told after the first service that Psalm 149. Is the basis for the phrase "Praise the Lord and pass the ammunition." That this psalm gave rise to that. Two weeks ago, Susan and I um, took the weekend off. Um, one of you missed us. Um, we, we spent the weekend in the Marietta-Parkersburg area to explore the history there. Uh, when we left Parkersburg on Sunday afternoon, uh, Susan said, could we, could we take the route home along the river to Gallipolis and cut up? She said, I want to see the Bob Evans homestead. I had no idea that was on her bucket list. Uh, so we did. Now when we left Parkersburg, we could get West Virginia NPR very well, very clearly, and we were listening to the programs and enjoying the programs. When we crossed the river and we started going you know, in and out of, of uh, wooded areas, up and down hills, the reception got pretty bad. And, and Susan would then start, you know, doing the seeking on the, on the car radio to get, um, to get a clear, clear signal for West Virginia radio. But we kept getting interrupted by stuff we didn't want to deal with, we didn't want to hear, we just didn't like. We thought, where's the clear reception? Part of me feels that way about this psalm. I really like the, the first half about all the praise. That's good reception. We enjoy that. But then these other things keep popping in and we have to seek to get, to, to get rid of that and to get back to the, to the channel that we like. You know, let's get away from that second half of the psalm and just have the first. What do we do with this psalm? Um, I have a a scholar that's my go-to scholar for psalms. So I I pulled out his book and read what he had to say on Psalm 149. And and he said pretty early in his commentary, I don't know what to do with this psalm. I thought, thanks, I'm glad I bought your book. Um, Some scholars say we should just ignore, just ignore verses 6 through 9. Ignore that stuff about vengeance and punishment, just just cut it out. I thought at this service maybe we could have read Psalm 149 responsively from the hymnal and you could have it open and look at it as I preached, except Psalm 149 isn't in the hymnal. They didn't want to deal with it either, you know, it's not there. So, what do we do with this psalm? We need to wrestle with it. I, 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 don't, I don't like to just say, oh, I don't like that scripture, just ignore it. I want to wrestle with scripture. Um, you know, the stuff that I might dismiss on the first reading, on the second and third reading, might have some depth that would help. And on this All Saints' Day, I think it's appropriate to wrestle with the Scripture. I think one of the things about the saints is they wrestled. They wrestled with Scripture. They wrestled with themselves. They wrestled with God. They wrestled with the church. Their lives were not... We often think that everything was smooth and easy for them and they had it all figured out. When you read the lives of the saints, they wrestled. Richard Rohr, in his definition of a saint, says, A saint is a person who acknowledges their dark side. We all have a dark side, but they acknowledge their dark side and confront the enemy within. They don't project the dark side onto other people. They don't ignore the dark side in their lives. They confront it, the enemy within. And they can forgive themselves and know that God forgives them. They know that God takes their brokenness And they turn that over to God's mercy and they can be merciful with themselves and with others because they know how God has healed their brokenness. I think that's a great definition of a saint, a person who knows their dark side but has turned it over to God for God's mercy. We all have dark sides you know for some of us it's jealousy for some of us it's anger for some of us it is vengeance for others it's lust greed we have our dark sides and we wrestle with them and I want to see this psalm in the context of our wrestling with our dark side when I contrast the praise the Lord with the vengeance of the second half, I have to ask myself, which comes more easily to me? Does praise come more easily to me, or does vengeance come more easily? And what stays with me longer Does praise stay with me longer or does vengeance stay with me longer? Somebody could have said something nice to me on Thursday and by Thursday night, I've forgotten that praise. I could have praised somebody Thursday night and I could forget it by the next morning. But vengeance, vengeance comes pretty easy to me. I can get hurt pretty quickly and pretty easily and it can stay with me and I can have thoughts of teaching them a lesson, payback, get back, and it can stay with me through the weekend, and it can become something of an obsession. I have to admit that praise does not come as easily as does vengeance. My dark side does come quicker, and I need to acknowledge that. I need to acknowledge that brokenness in my life. E.B. White, the uh, author of Charlotte's Web, I love this quotation. He said, Every morning when I rise, I am torn between savoring the world and saving the world. And it makes it very hard to plan the day. And aren't we torn that way? I mean, aren't we torn between savoring, enjoying, and justice, and saving? It's easy if it's one or the other. But it's hard if it's both. And I wonder if this psalm isn't talking about both. It's not an either or, it's a both and. Are joy and justice always opposed to each other? The prophets tell us to um, love the good and hate the evil. Sometimes we just love the good without hating the evil. And we just kind of become romantic or sentimental. Other times, we just hate the evil without loving the good. And we just become damn good haters. there are times where joy and justice go hand-in-hand. Hand. The violence and the vengeance and the judgment in this psalm you know, can be used to expand empire to build a kingdom, can be used for imperialism. Or this judgment and justice could be used for justice. There's a big difference between building the empire in the Mexican War, which was to expand slavery, and the Civil War, which was to end slavery. Sometimes it's hard to love without hating. I think of the environment. We love the ocean, but we've got to hate the pollution. For the sake of our love in the psalm it says praise the Lord for God has given the humble the victory the word for victory can be liberation it can be healing it can be deliverance, it can be salvation. And there are times where that word, Yesha can be also about joy, can't it? For when people are liberated, there's joy. For when people are saved, there's joy. When the people are delivered, there's joy. When there's justice, there's joy. That word, yeshah, is also the root for the name Jesus, Joshua, yeshiva. And what I wonder is if this apparent contradiction of joy and judgment finds Unity in Jesus. Jesus, I think, enjoyed his life. If anybody enjoyed creation, it would have been Jesus. Yet Jesus also clearly worked to save the world. He savored and saved. The key here is in the gospel lesson where how did he go about saving? Not through vengeance. Not through belittling belittling people. He saved by turning the other cheek, by going the second mile, by blessing those that persecuted him, by praying for those that cursed him. He went about justice Not for his own glorification, but for that of the other. He wasn't self-righteous about it. He was humble. I think that one really cannot work to save the world justly unless they savor the world. And one really can't savor the world until they work to save the world. I think one of the messages of Jesus to us is God savors us, God enjoys us, and God saves us. When I think of the saints in my lives, those who have had the great influence in my life, it's the people who savored the world, who enjoyed the world. I thought, I want to be like you. You enjoy the world. You take the delight in the world. You take pleasure in the world. You enjoy creation. You enjoy other people. But the mentors and saints in my life also want to save it. They are also people of justice. They want to improve the world. They want to make it better. They care. Last week when we talked on Stewardship Sunday about King Avenue is certainly about stewardship of money, stewardship of the building but chiefly we're about stewardship of people, that we say people are important, people are significant. Well, this is related to that. What our ministry says and and why we support the church is because we savor people. We enjoy them. We delight in them. And we save people. The two go hand and hand. To go back to that, looking for the right channel on the radio. I kind of wonder if Susan and I were going about it wrong. We were really keyed in to, to the NPR uh, program. And I wonder if we maybe should have let those other channels interrupt us, and maybe we should have started listening to those other channels too. And maybe that's true in our life, that we listen not just to the one channel of praise or the one channel of justice, but we listen to both channels. The saints listened, I would argue, to two channels, savoring the world and saving the world. And the saints at King Avenue do likewise. May it be so.